0: And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold and thank you for joining me today. Happy Monday. I know if you're like me, you you like a good Monday and I hope you've had a good Monday. I'm always happy to have my week start with my friend Patrick Albanese who comes to me from the great state of Iowa and the prestigious town of West Des Moines, Iowa. And uh, he's one of my friends that not only do I admire uh, many things about his character and his personality, but one of the things he has is he's got a lot of good soft skills. He's quite good at that soft touch. And I think as a Christian today, it's much to our advantage as we share our faith and hope with others that we pay attention to some of our soft skills. And I want to talk to him about that today. Patrick, welcome.
1: Well, well, thank that, that that's a nice intro. Uh, and if I may make a few corrections, speaking of soft skills, I, <laughs> I'm, I kid, I kid. It was... <laughs> A beautiful interact, you know, and, and it's it's funny how you can go through just an ordinary day. You can see things that sort of bother you. And then uh, I, it used to be that I admired, I, I don't know if admired is the word, but I, I thought, boy, I wish I could be more like that when somebody would, you know, the person that could confront somebody and say, hey, that says 12 items or fewer, and you got 14. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So get out of line. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it, it, in fact, it was funny. I just left the grocery store and uh, I was I go there so often they know me. you know. So I'm friends with a lot of the cashiers there. But they were they're now having to enforce the 12 items or fewer in the self checkout lane because people have decided, wait, who's going to check me on this? I'm going through with the whole cart full. <laughs> and so now yeah. they have to police the self-checkout lane because people are saying rules. Those are for the other guys.
0: Right. Right.
1: I, I remember once I was, it was actually in Florida. I lived in Florida and I was at a Piggly Wiggly I think it was Piggly Wiggly or what's the other Wind dixie There's a winn and Piggly Wiggly. There, there was at the time. And it was one of these 12 items or 14 items or fewer. What You know, the number always goes down, right? <laughs> Pretty soon it's one item or less. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, there's a woman in front of me with a jam-packed shopping cart, a couple of kids in the little seat area in the back. And the cashier says, I'm sorry, ma'am. This is, uh, you know, 14 items or Less, I think they had improper English back there, the Piggly Wiggly in the 80s. And uh, she says, right, well, uh, 14 of these, of these items are for me and 14 are for him. And she's pointing to a two-year-old. <laughs> That's a little rule bending. <laughs> and 14 are for her, pointing to the three-year-old. Yeah. And uh, the cashier lets her through, and I, I just, you know, I, I think it, I, I'm glad I had soft skills because I would have liked to have said, no, 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 I want to see those kids pay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. But,
1: but I when, bit my tongue. Yeah.
0: When we think of our communication skills, we think of our listening skills and our mm-hmm. empathy. These are all soft skills that if you uh bring to the table you're going to have more opportunities for people to put things on the table that you can have conversation about and they can see l- your life in a very different way we we have sometimes a lot of harshness in the world the world is is abrupt uh people are impatient and it's it's rare mm. when you see somebody show up in an act of kindness
1: and because we've eliminated so much face-to-face communication, um, you know, and maybe in the past we were careful with the things we said because, you know, somebody might hit you, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Be be very careful. Uh, you know, but these days, you know, thanks to pl- things like social media and somebody could put something completely in innocent and innocuous up, could be misinterpreted by somebody. And then the name calling starts happening. And, you know, I, I always look at it like it's the kid that shows up to school, uh, behind a bodyguard and starts, you know, flinging insults at the other kids, you know, yeah. because, you know, how do you like me now? Right. And, uh, and of course if the bodyguard were to say, oop, there's my bus, it could be like, you know, if I may apologize at this point in time for some, <laughs> of, the, some of the things said on behalf of my bodyguard. Yeah. But the, the, these firewalls that we now have, uh, allow people to say, you know what? I'm not going to remain silent. True. And there's nothing wrong with remaining silent. Yeah. It's not a bad thing.
0: Yeah. I have a friend who's extremely successful in the business and he's one of those guys that, you know, everybody would do whatever they could to make him and his life as accommodated as possible. I mean, they would just, you know, fuss over him. And I was out mm-hmm. for lunch one day with him and there was a very, very frazzled uh, waitress and uh, she was assigned to our table and she came over and we were waiting and waiting and waiting and so we were getting a little edgy. And she comes over and in a frazzled sort of way says, I'll be with you in a minute. And my friend said, No, take your time. He said it in the nicest way. And I thought, Oh boy, you've got such nice soft skills. You're uh you're empathetic mm-hmm. and you're yeah. and you're you know, you're being so kind. And when she came back she was just
1: glowing because a table had been nice to her. Oh, it's amazing the difference. Anyway, I thought you were going to say, so then my friend went to the front, bought the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> and then owned it. No. And then uh, owned it. But, you know, I think I've
0: been doing that ever since. And that was many, many years ago when someone's mm-hmm. in a situation and they're, they come and they say, I'll be with you in a minute. And you can tell their frazzled. I always say, take your time. Take your time. You know, and it's I, funny. I, you just got to make yeah. sure you don't say it and have it sound a little snotty. You have to make sure you say it in a sincere way.
1: Right, yeah, you don't want to say keep doing what you're doing <laughs> with the taking your time. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I had an this go. I'm going back, you know, uh, a, a long way. that's how much of an impact this experience had on me, you know. And you normally when you, somebody says, you know, name it something that happened that had a you know an impact, you go, oh, you know, that day I was I was held up at gunpoint and they, they, you know, they threatened to blow up the place and uh, you know my hair didn't look so good, you know, all these, you know. But I was with a friend, uh, still a friend to this day, but uh, he said, oh, I I have to stop by the bank. Uh, You know, he was either making a withdrawal or a deposit. And we go in and we're doing our little chit-chat thing and we get up to the window and he completes this transaction without exchanging eye contact or a single word Hmm. to the teller. And I thought, how can you possibly act as if that person isn't even there? He's, I mean, it's nice enough that he's engaging in conversation with me, but it's like sliding a piece of paper over and, you know, hi, how are you today? Nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't say anything. No, thank you. No, nothing. And uh, I'm, this is maybe almost 40 years ago. Wow. And, and, and I thought I'm never going to do that. Yeah. I am never going to do that. Mm -hmm. In in fact, I was at a restaurant last night and it was not super slow service. It was fantastic service. Um, but, uh, the woman turns out she was the manager comes over and says, excuse me, but are you famous? Said that (laughs) to you? Yes. I said, well, I, I don't know. I, uh, some people tell me, she said, well, the people at the next table, uh, said, I know that guy from somewhere and I think he's famous. And, uh, I was like, well, that that's, that's very nice. Are they still here? I'll, I'll, I'll go dispel that myth. <laughs> <anymore."> <laughs> but uh, she says, well, no, they left. And I said, and I mentioned a couple of the things that I mentioned that I said, well, if you go to this one movie theater, you'll, you'll get 90 seconds of me before you're allowed to watch the movie. <laughs> and, uh, she said, you're, oh, you're that guy. And she starts going on and on. And, and, and I couldn't desire more quickly to be out of that conversation. hmm so I just turned to and said, "Hey, hey hey, you're the manager here? I don't know what you're doing, but your staff is unbelievable. I, I don't know how many people we interacted with all with these great attitudes. and you know because I, I, it's not that I didn't want to talk about me. People like to talk about themselves. but I thought, no, no no no, I, I'm really more interested in you because I'll bet as the manager of a restaurant, but yeah actually, here's how the conversation started. You know, I said, what do you do here? She goes, well, I'm just the manager. And I said, no, you're not just the manager. You know, Jesus was just a carpenter, right? <laughs> I said, you run an amazing place. You're people. I don't know how you do it. I've n- I haven't been in a restaurant where people, everybody is friendly and happy and mm-hmm. smiling. And you know, I wanted it to be more about her because I didn't like the way she started that camera. I'm just the manager. It's like, there's no such thing as just the manager.
0: Right, you're important. Right. So there are your soft skills kicking in again. You're affirming her, which what Scripture tells us to do is to lift each other up, build one another up, and you recognized her, you caught her in the act of doing something well, and you let her know that. And I have to tell you, Patrick, that goes a long, long way with people.
1: And Well, we, did, we didn't get the free dessert. I tried. <laughs>
0: yeah, I figured there was an angle <laughs> no, you were looking no,
1: for. No, no, there wasn't an angle. Yeah. There was no angle. Uh, I, I do think that goes a long way, and it's not you know, just throwing flattery out for no reason, but, uh, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging, you know, every job is important. I, I, I never like it when, you know, especially when young people, I was that age, uh, I think. And, uh, there were times I thought, well, this is all I am right now. And it says, well, no, you're not just the job that you do. And you're not just, um, these various things, you're a person. Uh, you know, the old child of God thing, right? You know, you Created say God's image.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: You, you have to look beyond all these other things. And but I realized that sometimes that attitude takes hold because so many people treat you that way. Mm-hmm. You're just the waitress. You know, you're just the guy. You're just the oil change guy. Mm-hmm. Well, those are the people. And I know you're like this, that I'm most interested in talking to. No, me too. Yeah. Yep. They. They. Yeah. And, and most of the time, nobody wants to talk to them. That's true. But they're that's, fun. Yeah, yeah. That's true. I was in uh,
0: your neck of the woods. I can't remember how long ago, but I remember stopping in a bathroom along the highway and using the men's room. And there was a guy in there with a cleaning cart, and I was drying off my hands. And I said to him, "Thank you so much for the amazing work. This is." One of the cleanest bathrooms I've been in uh, in a long, long time, and he stopped and looked at me and he said, "Wow, f- thank you. No wow. one, has, no one's ever said that to me. It's almost wow. like I handed him an Academy Award."
1: I know, and um, uh, granted, it was the Ritz-Carlton, correct?
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was just a, a gas station just, on on 35W, and in, in uh, I think it was in Iowa somewhere. And I thought, this is. Uh, this is something that we we shouldn't overlook as believers. We should be looking for opportunities to affirm people, to give them uh, a nice word of encouragement, because we all live in a situation where encouragement and affirmation make a difference in our day. And a sentence.
1: I love it, and you know that it's funny how as you know people, we talk these days about artificial intelligence and it's going to replace you know, this job and that job. And you say, but it's, it's not going to replace that guy. No, never. It's You know, not only is it not going to replace that guy, but, uh, there's a million jobs just like it that we take for granted. You know, I, I don't, you don't have to go back too far. Just a couple of years to COVID where they say, everybody stay home except for you people. <laughs> right. And they said, well, who are those people? And they said, well, those are the people that bring all of us who get to stay home our stuff. And, You know, uh, uh, we were grateful for it. We were grateful that we had an Amazon deliverer. We were grateful we had the people that brought food to us and that kept the grocery stores going and the gas station, kept everything going. And, but I don't know, you know, a lot of times it's like, well, wait, hang on a second. You know, if this, and at the time we were pretty frightened of this virus, you say, think of this. These people are going out every day, dealing with the potential dangers of an unknown. We don't know yet just Mm -hmm. how dangerous this thing is. And they're doing it so that we can stay home and be safe. And they deserve a lot of gratitude for mm, that. They sure do. And an acknowledgement that it's like, not only are you not just a truck driver, you're you're the guy that's keeping me alive. hmm Wow. Thank you for that.
0: Yeah. You just put a big smile on Wyatt's face because Wyatt knows how to drive a truck. Oh, God. He, he's got the big 18 wheeler,
2: Wyatt. You can do it against I, I do. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate all those comments, too, Patrick, about uh, your being thankful for the truck drivers and everybody that kept things going because that was something that hit close to home for me and my family back when that was going on. So I appreciate that.
1: Wait, so you were one of those guys?
2: I was one of those guys.
1: <laughs> well, and you're still here. Thank you for, and yeah. now you're making this thing happen. You're keeping Bill and I alive right now. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but no, it's absolutely true.
0: All right, we'll take a little break. We'll come back. Lots more with uh, my friend Patrick Albanese from the great state of Iowa. Be right back. talking today with my friend Patrick Albanese about, you know, a couple of soft skills like uh, communication skills, listening skills, empathy, things that as believers we should be having uh, right at the top of our, our list of ways in which we interact with people. In James 119, it says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry and i know that mm. when we take our time with uh people that we interact with when we affirm them and we look for ways to encourage them it goes a long long way and it uh can create conversations and and possible uh relationships to have a chance to talk to them about jesus
1: and you, it's also a great way to learn things so i, I had a, my dental appointment the other day and I love my hygienist because she's a fountain of knowledge. You know, I only have, there's like that two to three second window between rinsing that I have to ask a question. <laughs> and then she'll, she'll fill the airwaves with some of the most interesting stuff. And, you oh, know, nice. I, I actually, yes, I'm laying there. I go, huh. So tell me the order that you should be doing, you know, your teeth. And she'll say, well, it's very important. You know, the first thing you do is you're going to want to floss, but, you know, you do your mouthwash, rinse at that point in time, because the last thing you want on your teeth is the fluoride. And the reason why the smart toothbrushes go for two minutes is not that it takes two minutes to clean your teeth, but it takes about two minutes for the fluoride to actually set into your teeth, take hold and protect your teeth. And that's why it's set for two minutes. Did you know any of these things? No, this is all new information. Yeah. You should have told me this in advance. No, 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 I didn't. I wanted to, I wanted to stun you. Okay, well, you did. You did. (laughs) Yeah, I heard, I heard a pen scribbling. (laughs) With me taking notes. I, I, now I fear that another hygienist is going to call in and say, oh, nay, nay. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, she said, if you were to do the mouthwash after you brushed your teeth, it could rinse off the fluoride coating that you just put on your teeth. And so this is why you do it in this particular order. And I thought, Oh. So will this help protect my teeth? This is one I learned a while back. And my teeth have gotten healthier as I've gotten older. How about that one? Because I ask her questions. I ask her proper flossing questions. You know, my wife is, I don't know if I've, I've, how much floss do you take out, Bill? A piece of floss? Mm, Probably. A foot? Six inches?
0: Oh, six inches, I'd say.
1: Yeah. Have I told you that one day I, I see my wife as she's, i i I'm assuming getting ready to fly a kite. <laughs> and I say, what What are you doing? She says, I'm going to floss. I said, well, I, I would like you to save a little bit in that role for me. So I measured the piece that she took out. Eight feet. <laughs> no, you're making I'm this up. Kidding. I'm not making it up. Consistently. How do you eight use feet.
0: eight feet of floss for one Cons- flossing?
1: Well, it turns out she has 1,074 teeth. That's part of it. <laughs> no, I, I have absolutely no idea. Because even if you wrap a fresh time around the finger, you say, I just don't think eight feet is required <laughs> to do the kind of cleaning that you're, you're after. Here. Mm-hmm. But uh, then again, she has perfect teeth. And I don't think she's ever had a cavity in her life. Well, there
0: you so, go. Yeah. So as we think about some of the skills that we we, we can and should have and that are really useful in the world is another one is empathy. And, you know, what does the Bible say about listening with empathy? And I think of Job chapter 6, verse 24, it says, um, teach me and I will be quiet. Show me where I have been wrong. Well, there's a strike of humility when we Mm -hmm. uh, can say that and mean it. Show me where I've been wrong.
1: Well, you know, it's funny that the, now the, um, the internet meme on that is it's taken some of the softness out of it and somebody makes a statement and they say, prove me wrong. All right. <laughs> it's right. "Prove me wrong. In other words, I dare you instead of, you know, show me where I'm wrong. I'm open. You mm-hmm. know, I, I had a, a good friend and that was always one of his things. He says, look, these are just my opinions and they're based on what I know. But if you have more information for me, I'm happy to listen to it and it might change my opinion.
0: Yeah. Well, to me, that's a fair-minded person who is probably has a lot of friends because that's the kind of attitude that
1: uh, maintains and and builds relationships. Yeah. And and, and it's actually very honest because, uh, you know, it's it's amazing these days, thanks to the, the great Google machine, you know, you could see something. Uh, somebody could tell you something, you do a a 30 second Google search and you say, okay, I am all caught up, (laughs) Uh, you know, (laughs) and, and now you're an expert and suddenly you're an expert. And, you know, we had the big thing where we talk about fake news and you say, well, how does it spread so quickly? Because, because of the 30 second cursory search of something, you look at the first couple of results and you say, well, that ought to do it. It kind of confirms what I already believed anyway. Mm -hmm. Now I shall close my mind even further.
0: Yeah. But if we're going to imitate God and obey his commands, we will show empathy towards one another, which is easier said than done.
1: Yeah. I mean, certain certain circumstances, it's quite easy. Uh, It's the difficult times, you know, um, that you say, oh boy, I'm having a little bit of a hard time showing, you know, some empathy right now. Mm Mm-hmm. That is, you know, the, it's amazing when you think about it. You know, people have tried to stop the Bible and, you know, uh, eliminate the Bible for, oh, I don't know. I'm going on 2000 years, let's say. Let's okay. just put that number out there. And uh, they fail. And you say, you know, it's amazing because these days people are really interested in, you know, they'll be, as a friend of mine says, you'll never grow, go broke telling people what they want to hear. That's true. And so you just affirm what it is they want to hear, and they say, that's it. That's all I needed to hear. And the Bible is a tough read that way, because at times you say, oh, you are not telling me what I want to hear. You're telling me the difficult truth, mm-hmm. the hard truth that I need to have empathy right here. And the last thing I want is empathy. What I need is somebody saying, you are justified in hating that person or, you know, in uh, in, in almost being vindictive toward them. And the Bible says, "Nope." no. Yeah, we're taking that one off the table, mm-hmm. and you see, but yet it stays popular because people know it's the truth.
0: Yeah, and if we seek to understand each other, Patrick, and if we approach each other with authenticity and kindness, even if our opinions are different from one another, I do believe we are then showing certain soft skills. We're being uh, we're being a good listener. We're being empathetic. Uh, we're trying to get in the other person's shoes and understand their position, and I, I always think that you're going to be uh, much better in your effort to reach pe- the lost for Christ, and you can you can maintain that kind of
1: consistency. Yeah, uh, I think you might. Have, you're sounding like a philosopher.
0: I almost am. I almost am, which is odd yeah. for me at the start of a Monday to sound this way. But you know, we're um, we're told by God's word that we are to love one another and that doesn't come easily. So if we're not taking the time to be empathetic and to be a listener and to try to understand someone's position, even if it's different from ours, I don't know how we're going to love one another.
1: (laughs) Well, there's the challenge. Is that not always the challenge? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I, you know, the, the lovable are, are easy to love. Indeed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I'm now I'm, now I'm thinking, boy, you know, I, I, I had some thoughts the other day cause somebody upset me and uh, you're making me think I need to rethink. Oh, which I'm going to think about that. And I don't know how it's going to come out, but that's, so I've got you thinking.
0: What's well, good. You know, it's always good to get people thinking. Um, well, yeah, I just want to, I thought today I wanted to encourage People to to say, God has given you these skills, these life skills, these communication skills, these empathetic skills, these compassion, and, and to be slow to speak, quick to listen, and to say, I need to be reminding myself of that every day because that way I can connect with people and I can um, hopefully have conversations that open up the door for uh, conversations about Christ.
1: Mm-hmm. Mhm. Well, and you know, sometimes you just I'm sure you've had this happen where you have a a day where an experience happens and even you are stunned at how calmly <laughs> you you deal with it. Yeah. And you say, "Where is this version of me <laughs> all the time?"
0: Yeah, no kidding.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh Well, I you know, I appreciate those, it, yeah.
0: Patrick as always helping me get the week started right here yeah. um and I think we had some good food for thought today. So I appreciate uh, you being on the show once again. Thanks. Talk to you later. All right. We'll take a little break and when we come back. It's time for the Monday afternoon mix. We'll be right back with Pastor David Miles in just a minute. And there's that smooth jazz, which means only one thing. It's time now for the Monday afternoon mix with Pastor David Miles and Wyatt, and also special guest. David, when do you
3: think we should announce the special guest? I don't know. It should just really be a cliffhanger. I'm not sure. Uh, We just might just have to let the tension go.
0: I agree. Are you talking about just building some tension? I like,
3: so much tension. Because... might have to wait to the break or something. Yeah, or
0: just... or maybe right towards the end of the entire segment. We can't do it. We can't show? do it. I can't oh God, do it. Goodness. I can't what what be is...
4: I can't be that quiet that long. It's
0: Rosie. It's Rosie B.
4: Rosie. Oh, this is so fun to be back in
3: studio. I it's love it. It's so good to have you. And it's time for
0: the Monday afternoon mix. Mix. Mix, mix, mix.
2: Mix. mix,
3: mix, mix, mix. mix.
2: Yeah. And we got, we got Wyatt uh, M as well. I, I, I am, but Rosie, she just told me she's going to be taking it to me, right, Rosie? <laughs> yeah. No, what, no? So
4: for everybody what? listening, Wyatt and I are sharing the same microphone. We look yeah. a little bit like the Beatles. We actually did a little, you know, video of the Beatles just so we know how to do yeah, it. Yeah, because
0: Wyatt wasn't sure what I was talking about. And <laughs> Wyatt said well, that they, well. they couldn't each get their own microphone. Right? Because Yeah, because no. Paul and George were both singing into the same microphone. They were. Which Time is what Wyatt and back, Rosie then. are doing right now. Exactly,
2: yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Anyway, nice to have everyone here as we are, are going to talk today a little bit
3: about misunderstood scripture. Yeah, and even just misunderstood culture. I mean, like, because we just had this right now for a moment as, as Rosie was talking a little bit about the Beatles. And I think White knew about the Beatles, but, you know.
2: I did. I'm not that young. I'm not that <laughs> young. Yeah.
3: But there might be some who might be thinking, what are you going to call Orkin, Pest Man? No, not those types of Beatles. We're talking about Beatles, the singing group. But that whole thing explains sometimes a difference of culture and how we can read certain things um, into our understanding of Scripture or even how it applies to us.
0: Well, you say more about that, David Miles?
3: Well, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing that sometimes people, when you have these types of conversations or you look at background, folks may just say, you know, Bill, just preach the gospel. You know, that's that's what we need to do. So even having conversations on race, ethnicity, things that deal with um, backgrounds, genders, things. What we actually call in missions, missiology, um, which has actually gotten a bad word today because basically missiology used in a pejorative form is intersectionality. Um, there's a there's a Dutch gentleman that I know. He calls it stacking where you begin to look at certain things and say, OK, what does it look like to bring the gospel to bear upon You know, a Syrian refugee who's a woman growing up in a Muslim context with this type of socioeconomic dynamics, you know, that's missiology if we're going to actually do the process of bringing Scripture to bear upon that person's Mm -hmm. life.
0: And did you use the word intersectionality?
3: Yeah, that's been... What does
0: that mean? Rosie wants to know.
3: (gasps) I do want to know. I'm looking at Phil going, there's a lot of
4: big words in this. Lots of big words.
3: We're back to big words. Yes, we are. You know, people have heard this term intersectionality, You know, as something where people would look at how various things intersect to bring things to bear. And so what I mean that it turned into a bad kind of term or kind of now almost like a swear word is in people's understanding of things on conversations about race, which has all been sequestered into one term, critical race theory. So now when you talk about people are like, oh, they're going to start teaching intersectionality. And it's like. As a, as a person who's been on missions boards, who's done missions and stuff, from a biblical standpoint, we've long been doing what people now say is this evil thing called intersectionality, but we just call it missiology. Like, if you're going to translate the Bible into another culture, you need to understand how culture, uh, language, um, faith belief, um, relationships with people, how all of those things intersect to bear upon that particular context um, in order to faithfully apply God's Word, to faithfully apply Scripture. Um, Hebrews 1, the writer of Hebrews says that God has spoken in many ways and times throughout the prophets, throughout generations. But in this time, he has spoken through his Son, Jesus. And when it says in Galatians that, Jesus was born, Galatians 4.4, 4. at just the right time, God sent his son, born of a woman, into the world to redeem those underneath the law. So Jesus was a historical, real, walkie talking Jesus, was brought into a first-century context. And so looking at that, that, we're looking at the ways that um, all of these various dynamics that make up culture and life intersect in our understanding of Scripture.
4: Okay, so I— I just have to go back for a second. I want to just make sure I'm understanding. So when we're reading Scripture, if I'm understanding you correctly, it's important to say what was the time that it was written Mm -hmm. and how does that apply to us today? Yes. And so we shouldn't just take it out of context. We have to go back and say to the first-century churchgoer or the first-century Christian, it meant this because these were the social norms around women in service, even. Yeah. something like that.
3: Okay. So for example, maybe one that's well known in my time, you know, being like the 80s and 90s, you maybe have heard people talk about being on fire for Jesus. You know? And so the passage in Revelation chapter 3 where, you know, Jesus is saying, I wish that you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I want to spit you out of my mouth. And so there's a passage in which Jesus is speaking to the church in Laodicea. And so I don't know if you guys remember growing in that time for where people were like, you know, we want to make sure students are hot for the Lord and not cold, or, or cold, but we don't want them to be lukewarm. So we've often read that passage in that way, and I remember people giving messages. I remember actually having conversations with classmates where they're like, you know what, I don't really feel I'm on fire for Jesus, and I don't want to be lukewarm, so I'm just going to...
4: I was going to say, I, I think that's still current. I think everybody looks at their life and go, "Oh, is this lukewarm?" Mm-hmm.
3: But talk
0: about a misunderstanding of Scripture. Right. Yes, yeah. that's yeah. a big one.
3: Why so, Bill? Why why would Revelation three be a misunderstanding of Scripture in that particular cultural way that we've understood it?
0: Well, because Jesus is talking about your works, not your salvation, in that passage. Because there was hot water coming from the springs and cold water coming uh, from uh, Colossae, so. Uh, if if it got to be lukewarm, it wasn't useful, like because Jesus wasn't saying I want you to be cold. He right. never say that, right? Um, and people, I think, would misunderstand that. But Jesus is talking about deeds, about the the church at Laodicea who was just uh, dead, mm-hmm. and so he wanted them to be useful because hot water is useful and cold water is useful.
3: Yeah, and lukewarm
0: so he, is not useful.
3: So he was using a very real application, as yeah. you've noted. So. Heropolis, which was north of that region, was known for its hot springs. Yep, and then Colossus was known for its cool water, mm-hmm. and Ladedesia did not have any springs, so they had to actually, you know, use aqueducts to get them there. But they had this issue with limestone deposits in the aqueduct, and so the water would get there by the time it got from it was no longer hot. By the time we got from Colossus, it was no longer cool. And one thing I had to tell you about my wonderful wife, Tammy, like she likes her coffee, but she likes it scalding hot. It's
2: the only way to have it.
3: Exactly. Like, you know, third-degree burns in your mm-hmm. mouth. I mean, you can't talk or anything, but, you know, it's great. But in that same way, it was a very vivid illustration that for the latter to say, they knew what nasty water tastes like. And And so, Bill... You're right, Jesus wasn't wanting them to be cold because later on in chapter 3, he actually calls them to repent. So why would he call them to repent if he actually wants them to be cold and turned off from him? Right. So, But it's using this very real uh, context that those first century readers would have been able to understand and to use in illustrations. Much of the way like today when some of the preaching illustrations that we have those get used like most, a lot of first century people wouldn't have understood our modern day football illustrations. That's true. Yeah. They would be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But for us, makes sense.
0: Yeah. And some of the idioms we use would be completely lost on a first century Christian, you mm-hmm. know? I'm, I'm beside myself
3: so i know
2: we're talking about scripture and passages specifically but when i was in college i took an old testament class with anna rask who i think you've actually had on the show before. many times great professor loved having her and she said not only in certain passages do we need the context but in books specifically song of solomon Proverbs, song is that true david yeah. in order to understand a book not just a specific passage you need to understand when it was written how it was written, and that would apply too, correct?
3: Yeah, it does very much apply too. And even like right now in a time where, you know, even as things are unpacking in the Middle East and and sometimes wanting to jump to certain things on what does this mean, like end times and things like this. And we talked about this the other day. And like I'll, I've had this where even for myself there's time, oh, Lord, return, you know. And I remember like sometimes I've gotten up at a message and people are, I've overheard people saying, oh, "I just wish Jesus would come back," and and sometimes when it's crazy, typically around election season, no matter what side of the board you're on, you're ready for that to be done. My little side note on that: if I, my biggest passion, if I could get believers in Christ to share the gospel five percent as much as they talk about politics, revival would happen. I agree. That's that's the one thing that that is at every election season. I'm just like, if we would just share Jesus. Or simply this, if we would just share about what Jesus did in our life as the experts of our life and our experts of our relationship with him, it, the the impact would be utterly ridiculous. But when people would sit there um, and say, like, I just wish Jesus would come, and I'm like, you really do that? They're like, yeah, amen, Pastor David, yeah. I'm like, okay, Matthew twenty four fourteen, and this gospel shall be preached to the ends of the earth, Jesus talking, and then I'll come. And so I'll say, how are you doing with your GPS? Going, praying, and sending. Guess what, guys? It gets really quiet when mm-hmm. I bring that up.
0: Yeah. So, Rosie, what do you think? Have you missed us?
4: I miss you guys so much. It's so fun to be
0: in the studio right now. I mean, this is kind of deep conversation, isn't it?
4: Yeah, I, I, there is a little bit of regret that you guys didn't invite me on a different week. But oh, yeah. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking of all, you know, in all true honesty, David, I'm sitting here thinking this is such an area of discipleship that we all need to be trained on. Right? Like, how many times do we? I'm convicting myself here. How many times have I taken the time to unpack the cultural context of the scripture I'm reading? Yeah.
0: yeah. Rosie, would you take us to break so I can put my feet up?
4: <laughs> yes. This is, you are listening to Afternoons with Bill Arnold with Monday Afternoon Mix, and we will be right back.
0: We are back with the Monday Afternoon Mix with Pastor David Miles, Wyatt M., and special guest Rosie B. Rosie B., it's so great to have you here, and we have missed you. And I know Amanda so Beth. many people are so happy to hear your voice.
4: Mm, I love being here, and it feels like old home because the best content happened while we were at break.
0: <laughs> and that's true. We <laughs> we,
4: to, like, away. we did, yeah, and sure. it felt like we were just being, you know... At church with David Miles over break, and I wish everybody could have heard that.
3: And Rosie. Yeah. And Wyatt.
4: At
0: church together. We don't stop talking during the break. We're talking faster than ever. We do. So we we restart the show, and we start talking more slowly. So anyway, let's go back to misunderstanding Scripture. Let's talk about the prodigal son, David. Um, What what do you think—
3: well, it's really, that it's really neat. First of all, um, one of the things, even stepping back in our discipleship and understanding that the chapter breaks and verses that we see in Scripture weren't necessarily there. I mean, again, Paul was writing a letter, like when he wrote a letter to the Romans, he wasn't like, okay, this is chapter 2, verse 3. He was writing a letter. And so even the headline to Luke chapter 15 on the prodigal son is misleading. And it kind of gets a little bit to kind of our cultural background. Um, I'm, a, I'm a certified practitioner for three worldviews of colors, for intercultural agility. And we have cultures like innocence, guilt, honor, shame, power, fear. So innocence, guilt, the goal there is maintaining innocence. Therefore, we, ha- we have an understanding of rules. So in the West – we, we really like legal contracts and having the wording being very clear. And people want to make sure that they're not wrong and they try to be right. And honor-shame communities, it's about belonging. And if you remember what some of the old samurai movies, it was better to die an honorable death than it was to live with shame. And for those in the innocent guilt mindset did not understand years ago after the Virginia Tech shooting why the president of Samsung – the president of South Korea apologized to the global community for this student's action for us in the West, like, why are you doing that? You didn't do anything wrong, but for them, that person brought dishonor or shame upon the community. And then power and fear is really about survival, either getting closer to power or further away. So this kind of thing with the prodigal son, it really focuses on innocent and guilt, and so when you when you look at the story, it talks about how the younger son comes to his dad, asks for his, his share of everything, and he goes off to a distant country like las Vegas, and he spends all his money, and you know after spending all the money, um, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. so he went out, hired himself to one of the citizens who sent him to feed uh, feed pigs, which was a major like no no for Jewish men. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. Fascinating video by Mark Allen Comer called The Forgotten Famine. Because when you ask, when he asked a number of his American students, his Western students, he's like, what's, what, why did this person end up hungry? And overwhelmingly they said, well, because he blew out his money. And sure enough, it says he wasted his money with reckless living. He also did it in the context with 100 students and found that all but six of them said the same thing, regardless of racial, socioeconomic, ethnic background. The one thing that they all had in common is that they were Americans. Well, Comer goes over to St. Petersburg, Russia, and he shares the same story about the prodigal son, and he's expecting all of the students are going to say it's because he wasted his money. But instead, the St. Petersburg, Russia guy said because there was a famine in the land. And sure enough, in the text, it said, when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. What happened in St. Petersburg, Russia, in the Second World War? The Nazis did a siege against the city, and for three years, food did not get in. And over 670,000 St. Petersburg people. So the social context affected their understanding of Scripture. Well, Paul goes on to Tanzania, and he shares this with Tanzanians. And he's like, of course they're going to say, Ah, uh, they spent money, or there was a famine. Instead, they said because no one helped them, and sure enough, in the text it says, "And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything." And for the Tanzanias, they were what country would lack hospitality to not care for a stranger in their midst? And so sometimes we can read in to a passage and say it's it's actually even to say that it's about the prodigal son, the younger brother. Because the passage opens up in Luke fifteen one and 2, that the Pharisees were continually and habitually, in perfect tense, complaining about Jesus hanging out with tax collectors and sinners. And then he tells three parables. The first one, a man with a hundred sheep, he goes and finds the one, comes back, they have a celebration. The woman with the ten coins, she loses one, she finds it, they have a celebration. The two sons, one goes off to a distant country, he comes back, there's a celebration, But the eldest son was in the house, and he's in the field, and the story ends without us ever knowing did the eldest son come back in when the um, father asked him to. And this parable really is about the eldest brother. Actually, it's about the Pharisees, because after this, the Pharisees are really intent on killing Jesus. But it's that unique way that we can read into a passage and say, yeah, it's my bratty younger brother who blew it. He's the person who messed it up. That's why I don't want to show up at Thanksgiving or the holidays. And that's the way we can culturally read something into it and miss all the other things that are going on in the passage, which requires us to have humility, or what you said earlier, Rosie, for us to really begin to get into God's Word and actually say, God, what were you saying to the original hearers? And us humbling ourselves to sit underneath God's Word. And then as it says in 1 Corinthians 10, that those things weren't just written for those back there; they were given as examples to us that we'd not pursue idolatry, and that we pursue God with a with a pure heart. And so that's one way of which this whole cultural dynamic—how we can we can, as a, one of the guys, O'Brien in the book, misreading Scripture with Western eyes—how we can read into Scripture uh, things that. Uh, and even miss things that we don't see, but even read things that we want to see into the passage that are more our culture.
2: Does reading a certain type of version of the Bible play into this at all? Because it's laid out differently, let's say in the NIV versus the ESV, or could that at all impact the way somebody interprets something?
3: Well, it can, because sometimes people are like, well, you know, I'm reading this because, you know, this is just, the one race. So really outside of the Greek and Hebrew, we're still dealing with interpretation because even the King James was taken from the Latin Vulgate. And so when we're looking at scriptural translations, we have this thing that's looks at literal versus dynamic. So for our English versions, typically the most literal is going to be the new American Bible standard, the new American standard Bible, then like the ESV. And as you start to go over, you move towards more dynamic, which is the intent is still there. But the language is being slightly different. So if you read a New Living Translation, it's going to have a different flow to it. That's different than what a New American Standard Bible has, mm-hmm. or even like a King James has. It's a little bit more dynamic, and the intent is still very much, you know, there in that passage. So,
0: well done, David Miles. That was quite educational. And when we search God's scriptures, we need to go with humility, asking God for the leading of the Holy Spirit to help us understand exactly what he wants us to know. Mm -hmm. Because how, why wouldn't other cultures look through the lens of scripture with a bias?
3: Yeah.
4: I also feel like this is the Holy Spirit talking to me again that I was even invited in here today because I can't even remember the last time i opened up scripture david and said holy spirit teach me the intention of your words right you i start reading i start researching but to really start from a posture of a student with god so that he can open up these things because sometimes we don't have time mm-hmm. to filter but the lord but the holy spirit by his power can teach us what he needs us to know from a certain scripture but Goodness sakes, I'm trying to think. Has it been months since I did that before I read Scripture? Maybe.
3: Yeah, and and also here's the beautiful thing. In John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus said, I would give you an advocate. I'd give you a helper who would remind these things, bring to mind the things that I've said to you. Um, So, yeah, having that particular humility as we go into God's Word, and we talk about the difference between exegesis, exa meaning taking from and eisegesis going into what we want to add to, you know, and saying, God, really, um, what, what does the psalmist say, uh, you know, in Psalm 19, it's like, you know, lead me in the way everlasting. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, my Lord God, my rock and my redeemer. And so really asking God, what do you want to say to me through your word and even apply it to me? And also understand what was being said then.
0: I regularly will start prayer time and Bible study time with Psalm 119, verse 18, that says, "Open my eyes, that I may see wonderful things in Your Word." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, do, I don't want to try to figure it out. I want the Holy Spirit to lead and teach and guide, and that's the only way I walk away with, with um, knowing Him better.
3: Yeah, Luke 24:45 has been a, a mainstay of mine, even in sermon prep. And uh, when Jesus is walking on the road, and He appears to His disciples. And it says, Jesus says in 44, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the psalmist must be fulfilled. Verse 45 has been something I've prayed often. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So many times I've been like, Lord, open my mind to understand your word, you know, and and what you want to say to to me.
0: Yeah. All right, David, any uh, parting words to uh, Rosie B., who joined us for the Monday Afternoon Mix?
3: So, so miss you and, and love your godly wisdom. And I will still say this again. I love the robustness of, of godly wisdom. And, and uh, that yeah, we, 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 we very much miss you. Sometimes too much testosterone. We need godly wisdom. <laughs> and, well, and the truth of the matter that the word Sophia is in the feminine. So the word that we have wisdom is actually a feminine now. Oh,
4: see, now I'm getting wisdom. And yeah. I've missed you guys, too. I listen all the time. I listen all the time. So, so and nice. it has been doing an amazing job. Yeah, he's awesome. Yes. Well,
2: I think what we learned today is you need to come back on more, though. <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> I just like
4: sharing the microphone with you from this side. <laughs> this know, is kind I of know. fun.
0: All right. Thank you so much. And that wraps up our time with the Monday Afternoon Mix with special guest, Rosie B. We're going to take a break and be right back with uh, Lots more. Cool.